Welcome to the Wedding Sassholes. Our No BS Wedding Business Podcast. We're here to real talk you through the common F-ups we see companies making. And the practical strategies you can implement today. This month's topic is new and it's appointments and tours. And in this episode, you'll learn what to do to prepare for your appointments. And steps to take to ensure a great client experience. We are your hosts. I'm Shannon Tarrant. I'm Vanessa Negron. And welcome to the shit show. Episode 22 of the wedding assholes. She gets that excited every single time she says it. Every time. Every time. Well, I'm excited for a new month and a new topic. New month, new topic and things that we like to talk about, right? Yeah, money management was good last month, but holy um, shit, it was a lot. I, I don't like talking about money. It makes me uncomfortable to talk about money with people. But I know. Well, most people do. That's why we did it, because it was a shitty topic to have to get done. So we checked it off and moved on. <laughs> and we're moving on to yeah, we're moving on to appointments, <laughs> tours, things like that. So as always, you know, I, Shannon, tend to bring a perspective more from you know, looking at it not only from a vendor standpoint, which is usually Vanessa's filter that she looks through, but also making sure that the same information that we're sharing today applies when it's either just a like standard vendor appointment or if it's a tour. So if you're a venue hosting tours, this episode is also for you. Yes. Thank you for bringing that insight because I don't know anything from the vendor standpoint. Yeah, and I think it's a little bit different, right? Because it's um it's a physical location in terms of it being more or less a location they're purchasing. Most other wedding vendors, even though there's a service that comes along with the venue, honestly, people book venues. The service sucks all the time because they fall in love with the look of the space. Mm-hmm. That is very true. But I also feel like when it comes to appointments, and correct me if I'm wrong, Venues get ghosted more on appointments than vendors themselves. Oh, for sure. Because, uh, you know, there is, it's a little bit less of usually a connection with a person. And that's a whole nother fucking month we can do about having a face, someone be the face of your business. But we did that uh, in branding. We did that a while ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, (laughs) you know, having somebody be the face of things, I think when, and we'll share some of the tips in this episode, but when you're just a building, you know, it isn't, it's easier to just kind of blow it off as um, just not going to that appointment. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. So let's talk about pre-appointment preparation. Yeah. So today's let's entire episode, we are talking about, so just so you know how we're laying out the month today, we're talking about what to do before the appointment. Then next week's episode is going to be about the actual like sales appointment agenda running all the way through. Then we'll move into following up after the appointment. So it's kind of week by week stepping, walking through the appointment. And last, we're going to bring in an expert. We have to confirm, but we're going to bring in an expert to talk about um, having your appointments and things be a little bit more experiential. And so ideas for things like that. So, all right, let's go all the way back to where the appointment first starts, which is the booking the appointment. So I'm a big advocate on having an online appointment booking system. It can be on your website. It can be a link from an email that you send the client, but please have it as easy as possible for the client to book an appointment with you and not to do the back and forth, back and forth emails or phone calls or anything like that have it as an online booking system, it will automatically send them reminders and confirmations, but it also gives them all of your current availability for appointments and lets them choose around their schedule that yeah, fits I know. within your schedule. 
this is a little bit scary, I think, for some of us who are old school and who've been in the industry a long time. And I think it's a venue, it can get a little bit paranoid or if there's like three or four calendars that of multiple people who offer tours within an appointment, it's a little different when there's just like one person and that person is the one person who does okay. appointments. But I think it's remembering the ease of being able to book. So I'm going to take it out of our industry and into a doctor's appointment. I have been doing my start of the year, the gamut of the doctors. And, you know, the instead of me calling 700 different places to book appointments, when the doctor's like, you need to have blood work done, I can go right onto the advent link. I can book the appointment time. I can choose the time that works for me around what's available. They also provide um, booking specialists, like appointment booking helpers. So you can call a phone number and they'll run through all the doctors in the area who take your insurance, who's whatever. It's a similar, I know it's not online appointment, but I'll tell you that rather than me digging through the internet and taking all the extra steps, I'm utilizing the tools that save me the most amount of time. So if you're a vendor that or a vendor or a venue and you're like, I don't know, I want control. You do have control over your calendar when it comes to online appointment booking. Do you think that's one of the pushbacks a lot is they feel like they're losing control? Well, and I don't think if you don't use that type of system, I don't think they understand that you can actually put in there blocked off times and designated, designated people. So if you don't use it, you don't know it. So in my system that I use, it will let me assign certain days, certain times to only show availability. It will also let me designate it to certain employees. So, I mean, I, I'm the one who does the appointments, but if I had multiple people that could do appointments, they could each put in their schedules yeah. into there also. So it is very customizable. It's not just um, a free-for-all. It's not we're open from nine to five and people can schedule anytime from nine to five. It's on there. And I only do it for three hours at a time kind of thing. It's very customizable. So if you're, if you're afraid of it and you haven't used it, just get in there and kind of look around. Yeah. Um, some, some of your CRM systems have it. Uh, my processing system has it. It's directly linked to my website, but it's just like you said, the doctor's appointments. I remember having to call doctors and they'd say, well, when do you want to come in? And it's like, well, how about Tuesday? And they're like, okay, what time Tuesday? And then you would say a time. They're like, oh, we don't have that available. So frustrating. I know. It's so much back and forth and back and forth. And I think that like when you can, the system that we use in my company, my CRM actually has one, but I don't like it. So I do not use there. I do not like the functionality of some of the connections. So we use, it's called Acuity Scheduling, A-C-U-I-T-Y. They also another really popular one is called Calend. Lee, C-A-L-E-N-D, like calendar, but L-Y at the end. Both of them are super user-friendly, step-by-step, easy to do. So we're going to get off this soapbox, but we really are both passionate about you making it as humanly easy as possible. And I do want to say that whether you're doing it manual and you're just going back and forth by email to book, I think it's really important at that very first step, and you can tie this to your automatic booker online. So if you haven't, please, to capture all of the possible information that you can, that you need when they're booking an appointment. Mm-hmm. You don't want to waste that time in the appointment to ask for all the, that information, those details. Yeah. That saves you time and it makes you look more professional because when they come in, you already have that readily available. 
They're not asking the questions. You also need some of that for the other secret tips we're going to give you today. So, but you have to have that info in advance. So whatever the things are that are important to your category and ways that you can maybe personalize the appointment, which we'll talk a little bit about, you want to make sure you are capturing all of that in advance. And like Vanessa already mentioned, these platforms will do automatic like email confirmations. Some of them do text confirmations, which is great. But Vanessa, what's one of the steps that you take um, outside of those automatic confirmations? I actually send them a personal email with the confirmation for the appointment time, the appointment place. So I give them the address and instructions on how to find us. And I also, um, in that email, ask them, you know, is there any specific, because I'm coming from a cake side, so this will be different for everyone. I specifically ask them, is there anything specifically that you want to try to make it personalized, but also to make sure we have it on hand for them? Um, But I send them an email separately from the automated system that confirms I confirm myself to make it more personable. Yeah, I think that in that personal communication, I think you can also, people get not, I am not directionally challenged. I'm pretty much a rock star with a GPS, but um, we had a team member in the past that, I mean, you would have thought the GPS was like her worst enemy. She could never find where it was telling her to go. So I think one of those extra tips is if you are doing in-person appointments, And let's say you have an office or whatever, send a picture of the front of the building as to like, Mm -hmm. what does it look like when they're pulling up? And I think that that's also really helpful. So they know, especially if like Vanessa's a home baker, but she has a separate space, but she's a home baker. So you know, they're pulling up and they're like, oh my God, I went to a venue the other day and the venue is behind the house. And I pulled in and thought I was in someone's driveway. And I'm like, oh, there's the sign. So knowing that like, this is what you're going to see makes Mm -hmm. it really easy. Yeah. I have a separate entrance. So my house is actually divided, but, um, (laughs) I do, I do say that in the email, it says that when you pull up, um, it is a residence, but the business is on the separate building and here's how to access that entrance and things like that. So that's also yeah. in there. Another thing that's in there that you don't have to put in the email, but I think you should be clear ahead of time is if you have a limited guest amount that you allow at your appointments, be very clear and precise about this. Some places will, don't have a certain guest count that they will limit you to. I personally do. I know that there are some bridal shops that do. Yep. Um, so I'm very clear in that confirmation email, I stayed out, you know, this is how many people you are welcome to bring. If you don't want to bring that many, don't feel like it's necessary. We'll send home the additional flavors with you, but you are allowed this many people maximum. So if you are limited space or you can only take so many personalities in one room, (laughs) just be sure to state that and be very precise on that. So there's no surprises or there's no kickback when they show up with 10 people and really you only wanted three. I think that's really important. Um, I think from a venue perspective, that can be a little bit challenging um, because sometimes you get just one and sometimes it's depends on who's paying usually Mm -hmm. because the venue and if it's especially if it's a venue with catering is usually one of the biggest decisions. So the amount of times I did a tour and it was you know, the couple, one set of parents, the other set of parents, two friends. And I was like, we have 10 people on a tour. It's a lot to control. But while we didn't limit it, 
I did ask them in advance who else will be attending with you because I feel like that was a really good way like who's coming and what's their relationship to you so if they showed up with you know an older woman that was that I would have assumed maybe was a mom I knew in advance that it was either you know mother of the bride or mother of the groom or it was just like you know maybe it was a grandma and I would have thought it was a mom like Sometimes it's your godmother who wants to pay for everything. Yes, yes. So I think which is fine, but just let us know so we. we yeah. So uh, knowing who's coming, what their relationship is, and if you have to limit it as a vendor, I do want to share a tip that I think um, I did not come up with it. It's freaking genius. So a little while back, we had a wedding venue map webinar, and Ian Ramirez, who is an owner of a venue in Texas called Madeira Estates, he's a beautiful, beautiful, like mission um, Mexican inspired venue over in Texas. He came up with something because sometimes as a venue, you might get ghosted where people book a tour and then they don't show up. And he coins it, he calls it the one hour photo. So he got inspired because they were having work done on their home and it was the plumbing or electrical company. And what they did is about an hour before the appointment, they sent a text message with a photo of who specifically they were going to meet. Um, and it talked a little bit about their background, you know, like what they specialized in and whatever. And Ian saw it and said, damn, I could totally do this at the venue. So he started to implement it where about one to two hours before every single tour, he'd send it a text message specifically to who was coming to tour with a photo of himself, not a perfectly quaffed headshot, like a nice cell phone photo of himself. And he included like three fun facts that were more personal about him that he used to be a professional opera singer, that he's a dog dad, you know, just things that were the opportunity to be able to connect so that as a venue, Or even if your brand is really strong and maybe, so maybe you're a DJ company and you've got 10 DJs on your team, but there's only two or three of you that do appointments. It's nice for them to know who is the face that's going to be on Zoom or who is, you know, the face they're going to meet in person when they walk in. So they're not doing the like uh, around if you meet in a public place. So I -hmm. honestly thought it was freaking genius. He said the number of people who ghosted dropped to like next to nothing because at least at that point when he'd send that text before he just sent a confirmation are you still coming and they wouldn't reply but by sending it and building a personal connection with them as like I'm a person you're coming to meet with not just a brand or a building um, he would find that they'd write back and say oh my god we're so sorry we forgot or we're not going to make it so the ghost it didn't mean they didn't cancel but they wouldn't just not show up so yeah I like that idea especially with like the if you have a big team like DJs and such that's yeah. really great to do something very similar especially if you have let's just say like five djs on one team for that specific date there's only three of them that are available and you have one of the three reach out to them and do the appointment so yep. it's more personable and it's more likely to be the person that works that day's event yes absolutely so okay. I know we talked a tiny bit about collecting information. So what's some of the really specific, let's get into the nitty gritty. So what are some of the specifics, Vanessa, that you think that when they're collecting pre-information, whether it's on the appointment form or by email, that they have to get? Please have, when they arrive, their gate, their venue, their names, have all of this information. Both their names. Or they get both their, their yes, names. Both of their names. 
before they arrive. It's it's very silly to me to be asking these things during the appointment if you've already been in contact with them. I also think that it makes you look like you have your shit together if you already have the information for their event and you're not like, oh, hey, thanks for scheduling an appointment. Let's get some information from you because I have no idea who you are, what we're doing, yeah. none of that. That looks shitty. So let's not do that. Well, and I think especially if they're bringing other people with them, you can mm -hmm. still confirm the details and be like, I want to make sure we're still that I've got the right info and you can do a quick yeah, confirmation back over it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes back like, over it. Yeah. Sometimes we would have one set of names, but not all both sets of names and things like that. I do think if you're a vendor, it's so key for you to get that venue information and asking where's the ceremony versus the reception. If they potentially are going to be in two different places. I think that's really important because you can kind of pre-research and we've talked about this in the past a little bit, but like if you're trying to build venue relationships, that is an easy, immediate email to the venue to say, I have someone that I'm meeting with next week. I want to make sure that I know the rules, the regulations, what you allow, what you don't allow before I meet with them. So you're not selling the dream and then, you know, you're not selling a 12 tier cake because you don't know it has to go up a flight of stairs. Right. And we've talked about this in previous episodes also. When they come in and you already know the venue, you know the layout and you ask them questions such as, oh, are you going to be putting it over here or over on this side? Oh, we've seen it set up this way and that way. It puts the client at ease. Also, if you're confirming the details of their day, their venue, the ceremony spaces, things like that, and you can say, oh, who did you guys do your tour with? Was it this person or that person? It's a familiarity that makes them feel more comfortable with you, which is also more personable, but it also puts you at that professional level. So if you have this information before they come in, you can reconfirm the details, but it also reconfirms that you're a professional and this isn't just a hobby for you and that you have their day under control and it's it's going to be a good one. Yeah. And I mean, I think that sometimes like you specific in your category, there might be really specific information that you need. So I would ask for their Instagram handles all the way in the beginning. Um, I don't, most of the time, it doesn't matter. They don't care if they have a private account and you, um, you like request it, they're going to approve you. Like they've already scheduled a tour to come there and see it. So I like getting their Instagram. Um, I like asking for their Pinterest, like if it's public or having them add you to their board, or if they're not ready for that step, maybe even just send you two to three inspiration photos. If you're a florist, maybe you're just asking for a few, like pick the three photos that you want your wedding to feel like, mm -hmm. you know, not things for me to replicate, but I think getting no, but that, to get, information. To get that inspiration. Yeah. So those are things that I would request in the confirmation email and add to what I call a client file. I know that people call them different things. Yeah. But in that confirmation email of the time and place, that's where I also ask if you have any photos or any inspiration to help us paint a better picture of your ideal day, please send them this way so we can go over them together during your consultation or your appointment. But I think that's also part of setting the upfront expe expectation with a client like getting them to that point of um, like the information that you're going to go over during the appointment. So like, these are the things that we're going to discuss. So please have these prepared when you come in kind of thing. Yeah. I like that. I think one of the last things that I would highly suggest making sure if you didn't capture it on the very first initial lead form is really digging a little bit deeper into the, how did you hear about us? 
I know sometimes they check that box on an initial lead form, but maybe you're somebody who doesn't do initial quotes. Like as a venue, I would just put the book an appointment on the freaking website and let them just go book a tour. And so I think you want to make sure you're asking that question and you're really looking at that information before they come. So if it was a referral from the venue or a planner or a previous client, or if they found you on Instagram, you know, they probably maybe have gotten to know you a little bit better because you're posting on stories and things like that. I think that that's really important for you to do a little bit of that pre-research to have the knowledge before they come in. Because it's already potentially if it came from a venue where you're in an all-inclusive or a planner who really pushed you, you probably know you're down to maybe only a choice of two, maybe three. So you can kind of work that appointment a little different. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. That's on my inquiry form, but not Mm -hmm. everybody has that on there. So I understand that. Yeah. But some places actually skip an inquiry form and Mm -hmm. they'll go right to an appointment. Right to an appointment, which as a venue, they're going to work around what you have available as far as dates. As a vendor, it's a little bit more difficult because you're working around your current schedule. So yeah. But I think too that it's sometimes worth just throwing up the book an appointment up there sometimes because even if they book an appointment on the day you're not available, you can just email them and cancel the freaking appointment. Like it's not when people say that's why they don't want to do it. I'm like, oh my God, just try it and see how often it actually overlaps. But it starts a conversation also. I've had people skip the process of the lead form, find the booking appointment that is on our website, but it's not like publicized. They book the appointment and I just give them a call and say, hey, we see that you've booked an appointment. Do you mind if we grab a couple of details from you before you come in? And they usually are just very, yeah, here you go. What do you need? And tell me the information. And I just let them know, we just want to make sure that we have your date available before you come in. Because I would hate for you to come in for me to let you down by saying, I'm sorry, we're already fully committed that week. Mm Mm-hmm. So they they don't buck on the system when I say that, but I it starts the conversation. And then if you have it available, you say, well, it was very nice speaking with you. I can't wait to see you for this day. And it also gives you all the information to fill in your client file. Yes. So there's all the notes and the details to get in advance. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so we've talked about everything like, we need to collect, I would definitely push to, I know this applies only to specific categories, maybe like yours, Vanessa's, but if they have like whatever they have to bring with them to the appointment Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. really key. What kinds of things do you suggest they bring? So because my job is more design aspect as opposed to like logistics and things like that, I Uh tell them to bring anything. I tell them literally, it says it, anything that helps and give us inspiration to paint the picture of your day. So that could be fabric swatches. That could be linen swatches. That could be invitation suites. It could be pictures of decor or pictures of your floor, like whatever it may be that helps us put together an overall aesthetic for your day. Please feel free to bring that with you um, so that you're not having to go through cell phone pictures. Or if you have cell phone pictures, email that to us in advance. So it's easily referenceable when you come in is that a word referenceable yeah (laughs) it's easy for me to put it in your file and pull it up and we can go over those different things together and pick and choose the different aspects of your favorite things to combine it to make your own unique design so I tell them to bring whatever helps convey their overall aesthetic but I'm sure that for photography DJs florals I'm sure there's other aspects 
that's my personal things I tell yeah. them to bring. But I think that um, applies what you're talking to from a design standpoint applies to rentals, floral, <laughs> you know, planning, things like that. All of that stuff that kind of gives the overall feel and vibe. I think right. um, it applies to any aspect of the wedding that has more of a design. You know, maybe it's more of inspiration pictures when it comes to you know, lighting or things like that when it comes to a DJ. But um, but same thing, a DJ can say, hey, what are your top three favorite songs you like to dance to as a couple? You know, right. it's just gathering whatever information you can in advance to really set the tone of the appointment. Well, and asking them to bring those personal things that they feel like coordinate with their day. I think it's more of a personalization also, which then brings us to setting the mood for their appointment. So yes. I think that's a big deal. I am, you already know this, but when people come in, I'm like OCD about setting for when they show up to an appointment, but I do in-person appointments. So for people that are doing Zoom calls and phone calls, this will be slightly different, but I do in-person. So yeah. let's talk and, about the well, in-person meetings. Let's talk about that first, because um, for those of you who don't know my company, Wedding Venue Map, we do a survey once a year and we are working on survey results. If you're listening and you're a Wedding Venue Map member, and we're going to put out the report that'll come within the next few weeks, but the... One of the fascinating, you know, we ask a lot of questions and most of them I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. But this one was the, how do you prefer to meet your vendors was the question. And the choices were in person, online, like online meetings, like Zoom, FaceTime, um, phone meetings, only over email or text, whatever. 52% said they prefer to meet in person. And I was a little like, like mind blown because I would think that, and I said vendors, I did not say venue. Of course, venue is in person. They have to go tour, but like choice of meeting vendors was, it was high. How many of them wanted to meet in person? I, so I've always done in-person meetings, but that's because I want to see their expressions as they are tasting, Mm -hmm. because that's a big deal for me. I know of some places that will only do boxes for pickup, which to each their own. But I personally like to do the in-person because it's more personable. But yeah. I can also see the expressions and walk them through the experience. So for me, I always make sure we use our five senses, right? It's the the see, smell, taste, hear, touch kind of things. So I think each of those we can kind of break up to part of setting the mood. So I'm going to start with the see. So there is a company in our area, um, they are a catering company, and they are, I think they do a wonderful job at this. I mean, I pointed yeah. out earlier, they actually do signage on the parking spots for the clients that are coming in for a tasting that says their names as they arrive. So it says client parking when they pull up to their tasting, and their name is on the parking spot, and it welcomes yeah. them. That's the very first thing they see before they enter the building. And I think it is amazing. Yeah. And when you think about like all the things you see, right, if I'm walking into a space, I'm looking for cleanliness and is it set up? And I always check the bathrooms. I know that's so weird, but I check the bathrooms. It's not, to see if it's not. Been... people associate cleanliness with the restrooms. It's not. Yeah. It's not so like it's, has it been refreshed? Has it been touched up? Do I see trash on the ground outside? Like, and if you're a venue, when I walk in, do I see like that the walls have been scraped up and scratched up just from delivery things and nobody's touching them up? Um, you know, it's the quick things when I scan and I look around that I can see, 
you know, what's the best way you want to be showing for an in-person appointment? And so I think the signage is such a nice personal touch when people come up. I know one of our bridal salons does it also. It feels so nice. You like come in and they also do a sign on the little table, like this space is reserved for. But I think you really need to, what Vanessa was saying, like with those five senses, is really think about when you are setting up your appointments for in-person and we'll run through some, each one of them, but like, like look through with fresh eyes and see all of the things you see, or if you have people on your team or other vendors, vendors, yeah. Anyone else, like, I really think you need to get a fresh perspective maybe on what they see that you won't see because you see it every day. Just make sure you cover your belly buttons when they come in because they yeah, will tell you. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Pro- protect your belly buttons. Have oh, your friends yeah. come in and do do an in-person meeting or appointment yes. with you to give you that outside perspective on things that maybe are your blind sides. Because you have to remember, we do this every single day as our right. jobs. And sometimes we don't see things or we just think it's not a big deal but to the client, it could be a big deal. So for senses and seeing things, I have the tasting room set up with different cake displays so that they can see different variations of sizes, different variations of colors and different aesthetics. So it's very welcoming when you come in and it's not just styrofoam cakes with nothing on them just to show you the size. Like there are displays that are made up. There are the styrofoam so that the client themselves can see and touch This is a two-tier cake. This is a three-tier cake. But also, I'm a very visual person. So for me, when someone says, oh, it can serve 50 people, well, I don't know what that looks like until you physically show me. So I like to have that as well. But I mean, if you're a rental company or you are a decor place, if you have those different decor pieces that they can touch and see in person, or if you're a venue that offers some of those things, like different centerpieces or linens, have those on display. I think there's also another piece of the C that when you're a venue, people tend to forget about. And it's part of it is where you're standing when you're talking to people. So I would find a lot of the time that when I would go tour venues, and it even happens now, sometimes they're walking in front of me and they're talking as they're walking and I'm, I can't really hear them. Like mm-hmm. they haven't turned around to either walk backwards or walk alongside me. So that's number one. Number two, when you stop to talk to people, sometimes the way they're standing, they don't think what is the guest looking at. So right. when we would get to the ceremony site, I would stand with my back like I was the officiant and I would have them walk down the aisle like they were walking down the aisle. And when we got to the front, I would have them stand there, not like being able to kind of see what it would feel like on wedding day. So I think that's another piece of the C is when you're walking people through things like where they're standing. No, I think that's great. Um, Smell. Let's talk smell. This is key. It sounds, I don't have a, I don't have a problem with this. Well, yeah, um, because you're freaking dessert people. You dessert people and you caterers. It always freaking smells smells good. But I will say, There are a couple of different venues that when I go deliver to, I know the smell of the venue because they have a very distinct, like, it's like a insert plug, plug in thing into the wall, but it's so distinct to me and it smells so clean. Like it's a very, 
I'm like, oh yeah, this is, this is this venue or that's that venue. I know the smell of the venue, which is so weird to say, but it's a big deal. Cause it really yeah. is. It's very pleasant. I mean, I've asked the staff before, like, Hey, do you know what that plug-in smell is? Cause I want that for yeah. my living room. <laughs> but even like one of our local bridal salons, they actually have a signature scent in the store that they had yeah. custom made for them because they didn't want it to be too overpowering or too flowery or too oceany or too musky or whatever. So I think that like, yes, the air freshener, that concept, all of those pieces is super important. It's a signature. Yeah. But I think having either a signature smell or if you're going to pick something off the shelves, it's fine. We're not being that bougie. You don't have to be that bougie, but no, but it does make a difference. But I think you want to make sure that you're not overpowering and whatever, that it should be clean and fresh, especially if you're a venue, it should be clean and fresh. It shouldn't be too much, you know, pineapple hydrange, like it can't be no, no, too no, much no. of anyone. Um, but I think that it's really important. You're in the space all day. You probably don't smell the sugar and the flour and all and the butter and you don't smell that anymore. I don't. It's so right. terrible, but I don't. But I think that like, you know, whether you have one candle, whether you have like, things like that, that can add just a little bit of that ambience when it comes to the smell. I also think venues were in Florida and I know you like to be cheap when it comes to summertime, but it smells musty as fuck when you don't run mm -hmm. the AC. So you can't like pop on the AC an hour before a tour. It doesn't work. You no, have it to doesn't. crank it at least a few hours in advance and get the spray going. Especially in high traffic places. If you don't, it ends up smelling like a locker room. It does. It smells so it musty. It does. You smell the carpet. That's the gross part. Yeah. You smell the carpet. So just keep that yeah. in mind. So something that's, it's not really on topic for weddings, but it is part of psychology and smells is um, my older sister is a realtor. And one of the things that they always tell realtors when they're doing open houses or walkthroughs is to put a little bit of vanilla and water in a pan and put it in the oven. It's a very welcoming, like warming smell for people. Yeah. And they're more likely to buy the house that smells like that than they yeah. are to buy a house that doesn't have anything. Yeah. So just a little, little psychology. And you can do, you, you can get a diffuser. Like there's yeah. a million ways to do this guys, but like, yeah, you know, figure out a way, making sure that smell is a part of it, that I don't have a great sniffer. So I'm not the person to ask. You need like a super smeller to come in there and be like, Meh, what are we super doing? Smeller. Yeah. But All make right, so it let's... something that's that's not overpowering. Yes. Yeah, not moving, overpowering. Moving right along. Moving All right, right along. taste. Duh, if you're freaking Vanessa. Easy peasy, right? Those freaking dessert easy and peasy. caters. It's easy because they can just whip food out. Yeah. Who's angry when they're eating cake? No one. No, no one. one so I think this is easy for her. But if you're like a venue and things like that, I just want you to think about being hospitable. It's not about putting out a freaking buffet. I do think you need to think about the fact that you know, when it's warm outside or maybe people are doing three tours in a day, offering from the minute they walk in the door, a bottle of water, not waiting mm -hmm. until they tour, you know, offering them a bottle of water, a Coke, Diet Coke, Spray, unsweet tea, sweet tea. Like these are easy things you can buy in bottles. I also think if you're doing a lot of evening appointments, it's okay to offer and have beer and wine there. Um, I'm not sure I would offer that at like an 11 a.m. tour. That's no, just no. me. But, um, but I think having things like that from a, you know, from a standpoint of being hospitable, it isn't always about the food when I say taste, but I think it's about making sure that people are comfortable. But if you can afford to do food at the things, I mean, you could partner with a charcuterie company or 
do simple little things like that. Or one of the dessert companies, you know, like maybe you can partner with your local cake baker or cookie company or whatever to say, hey, maybe we can have a little snack box or something like that on Saturdays when we do tours all day. The minimum though, you need to have, you need to offer a beverage, no matter what yeah. part of the industry you're in. If it's photo DJ, floral, no matter what part of it you are, you should at least offer a beverage of some sort, water, tea, coffee, something. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like it's a small fridge loaded up, get some different mm-hmm. stuff in there, have some unique fun things that people wouldn't have thought of. And not everybody will take you up on the offer. So don't worry about like going in over I mean, your How many freaking race. appointments are you doing? Like this isn't going to kill you. You know what's going to happen? Gonna you. Your stupid ass is going to drink all the drinks and that's what's going to cost you money. That's what I see all the time. I'm like, it's not the clients. It's you. It's, it's you spending you. your own money. It's you. Who's you the drinking problem? That. It's you. Yeah, it's you drinking that cute little mini Coke that you bought yeah, for your clients. Yeah, you dumbass wasting your money. Um, all right, let's talk about sound. What am I hearing when I come in? Yes. Do you have music playing in the background? I personally have a playlist that I made up and it is different wedding songs that are super popular, like slow dance songs, not like pop it like a top song. Yeah. And I play those in the background so that it's not just dead space. That's the worst. But it's something that is like, you know, maybe it's on their playlist coming up or they haven't thought about it. And now, oh, I really love that song. What is that song? So I play wedding songs in the background, but that's so that it's not just dead silent because that's awkward. Yeah, there's also some really cool, if you want more like classical, totally chill, like non-interruptive vibes that you can do go instrumental. to and stuff. You can do mm-hmm. like Vitamin String Quartet, which is an interesting group that it was very popular. I'm dating myself. It was super popular for weddings for a bit there, but they play popular songs in a quartet. So mm-hmm. you can kind of go grab one of those playlists and just play. There's so many playlists already on Spotify, or you What's can make your other- own uh two cellos is that the two guys that do the same similar thing i think it's called two cellos that's probably the modern version of this old lady i think it is it's very instrumental but it's two guys that play two cellos and do covers of popular songs and it like love it yeah i love it so you're you're listening to a chill song and then all of a sudden you're like oh now if you're a dj you are fucking missing out on an opportunity here because if you know that there's like one of your questions as a dj on if you're doing in-person appointments should be what are your three favorite songs to dance to together like you a hundred percent not what are you going to dance to at your wedding they don't freaking know the answer but you're just your three favorite songs to dance to you and then you can slide those into the playlist about Mm -hmm. halfway through the appointment freaking genius like they're like oh those are our songs like oh really love it Love it. Okay, Vanessa alluded to this a little bit, but there is the factor of touch. And I think sometimes some people are audio, some people are visual, but there are the kinesthetic people in the world and they really like to touch things. They're a kinesthetic learner and you don't give them anything to touch and hold on to. So what kinds of things? Well, yeah, you're like, that's me. So what kind of things do you do? So I have different cake stands at the shop to show them the different sizes, the different textures, the different colors, so that they can see and touch the different things. Um, We have dessert bars. So the dessert bars come with different options for stands as the display. They can also see and touch those. If you are a decor company, a linen company, a rentals company, if you have examples of the things that you offer on hand that they can touch, they can play with, not play with, but you know what I mean? But yeah. they can actually see instead of just a catalog and pictures of, 
it will make the big the difference. Word, I the promise word, you. The word fondle came to mind. I know that's fondle. wrong. <laughs> that's so they, can fondle, they can fondle your chargers. <laughs> Those are favorites. Yeah, but if you have like chargers or yeah. candlesticks or... Um, like I said, the linens are a big yeah. deal for people, especially oh, the yeah, textures. Yeah, the fabric, yeah. The, yeah, there are people that textures are a huge deal to them. So absolutely have those okay. on hand. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But then now I'm listening to all those people in the background who are like, and eh, it's so easy for things like that. What am I supposed to do, Vanessa? I'm a photographer. So listen, touch is touch. So you could put galleries on an iPad and let them swipe through them themselves. Yeah, but as a photographer, if you offer to have canvases made albums, or you offer to have canvases, albums, yes. have examples of those on hand. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, you but know. those, anything that like, even like when I worked at the venue, we gave them a folder inside the folder was like a booklet and that booklet had our packages, our pricing, our info, but we had like a velvet touch cover on it. Like it was that mm-hmm. like literally velvety paper, like the soft touch paper was the cover. So they'd be like, oh, wow, this is so nice. You know, just things for people to touch make a huge difference they shouldn't be coming to an appointment with you and then just leaving without things they should have Mm -hmm. some information or stuff you know to take with them so that's an easy way to execute Mm -hmm. i agree so if you're not doing in-person meetings this is hard i mean if you can shift back to in-person i know people are going to hate me because i fucking love zoom meetings listen people hate me because i say do in person all the time but 52 percent of people want to do in person and i think also let's just hit on that one more thing that i think the cost of weddings has gone up as has everything in the freaking world right but the quality of vendors and the cost of things have gotten very high and unexpected high for people who have never thought of or planned a wedding before so Mm -hmm. i think when we get like national statistics of the price jump from the end of 22 to the end of 23, I think it's going to be massive. There normally was like a small shift, but I think because of inflation and things, it's going to be huge. So when a client, if you are a service or a category where you are not the budget side, it's easy to do phone and Zoom meetings if you're the budget-friendly vendor. That's fine. But if you're on the, the average or you lean more towards the luxury side, I think there's an expectation of an experience from these clients when they're spending good money with you that mm-hmm. they want that like more of an experience. So I don't know. I'm team in person. I, yes, I'm team in person. But if you don't do in person and you're doing Zoom, we'll give you a few tips for Zoom. Too. We'll give you a few tips. We don't right. necessarily agree with just doing Zoom, but we're still going to touch base on it a little yep. bit. So something that's very important that when we started this podcast, I had to upgrade. Right? Yes. Cool. Check your internet speed. Speedtest.net will test your speed. It'll tell you where you're slowing down. You can get an ethernet cord to directly plug into your laptop or your- Yeah, and it's not your download speed that matters. It's the upload speed. It's the upload speed. So you think your internet is great because you're like streaming Netflix and okay, cool, whatever. But then you go to start doing Zooms and Vanessa had no idea when we were doing these podcasts that like her audio kept cutting out and there was issues and things like that. The the video would like pause in between and then like re-pick up. And I didn't know because on my side, it looked perfectly normal. And then Shannon yeah. would call me and be like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, I was like, what is happening right now? We're going to have to redo that all over again. So check so, your internet speed. Yes. That's an easy thing to go on. Check on speed test. See where you're at. Maybe bump it up. You know, it's an mm-hmm. expense. We talked about this already in finance. It's an expense. You can write that off. Yes. Check your background of whatever your visual is. If you're doing an in-person, oh, I'm sorry. If you're doing a Zoom meeting with someone, 
you don't want your laundry on top of your bed in the background. No, you don't want your kids, your kids paintings all over the frit. Like think about what's in the background, yes. what looks professional, what the expectation is, clear out your background. And you can put up virtual backgrounds. Like you can yeah. put up a virtual background. You can blur it out now. You can put up a virtual background that's kind of like a green screen with your logo in the corner or pictures of your stuff. Like mm-hmm. you can have a good time with it. You can. One of the main things for me, and I don't have children, so please forgive me. But if I can hear your kids screaming in the background and we're trying to have a business meeting. God, I'm never going to book you. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm not that also goes you. for animals. I have animals. And if I'm going to do a business call, I'm not going to be in my house where the dog is barking like out the window. That's not yeah. going to be a thing. So that could be a phone call or a Zoom call. Remember what's in your background for noise wise. So make sure yeah, but you could get space. good. You could get like sometimes our microphones that we use. We got bougie microphones. I mean, not crazy bougie. They weren't even $100, but we got nicer quality microphones and the microphones control the external sound. So sometimes mm-hmm. Vanessa and I, like we've stopped recording and I'm like, oh my God, did you hear that? They were literally mowing the front yard. And she's like, I didn't hear anything. It yeah. like noise cancels. So think about mm-hmm. what you're using in terms of some of your equipment and maybe upgrade that if you have things like potentially kids or you live in a loud area that's easy way yeah. to do it. yeah just remember the sound sound noise sound noise the noise in the background is a big deal for some people absolutely okay so phone calls are the hardest and if you're only doing oh. phone sales appointments like I do a lot of phone sales appointments and it's really you know what I you know what I can tell when I'm doing phone sales appointments I don't like say this but I can tell people are doing other shit like mm-hmm. when they book a phone call versus a Zoom call, because we give the option for both. A lot of times if I'm doing a phone call with a baker, I can literally hear that. I, I already do this with Vanessa, but I can hear the mixers going and I, I can hear them going. No, I know, but I can hear it anyway. So you don't even have to tell me or like you can hear. So I think that it's so difficult on a phone call to create any kind of like mood vibe experience. It's so hard to do that. The benefit of phone versus email, I mean, is definitely you can hear a tone at least yes. on the audio or where they You can pause. hear the tone of voice. Yes. But it's hard because Zoom versus phone call, you can't see expressions. So you can't read people as well. I mean, no even when you language. hear the tone, yeah, you can't read the body language, things like that. So yeah, I would say I'm my sarcastic. least favorite is just phone. And I'm sarcastic as fuck. So you can't Mm -hmm. tell like sometimes just from my tone that I'm like, I mean, I got in trouble last week because we were texting back and forth with someone and I didn't use enough emojis to say that to imply that my sarcasm was joking. I didn't. I, I failed. So but that's that's difficult sometimes to be able to read tone when it comes to that. So a point uh, phone calls are okay but it, you really like always give them the option of phone or zoom and like maybe put the zoom appointment first but try to move to in person yes do in person <laughs> okay the last suggestion i'm going to make is because i see this all the time and this was a really big one for me when it came for preparing myself for an appointment, the most important thing when I worked at a venue, I'm sure some of your venues can relate, especially when I did weekend tours. If we didn't have a wedding or I did tours anyways, even when we had a wedding, I would do six tours back to back to back on a Saturday. And the amount of times that I was in my 20s then, 
or early 30s. I'd go out on Friday night and then I'd wake up. <laughs> Don't tell my old bosses. But I'd go out on Friday night, live my best freaking life. And then I'd wake up and be like, oh my God, I have six tours today. So I think it's so key before, whether it's because you were stupid like me and went out the night before, or just in general, you're having any kind of day. I think it's super important to block 30 minutes before every tour to make sure you get yourself in the right headspace. Even before Vanessa and I get on this podcast, we take a bathroom break. We decide, do we want coffee, water? What are we having right now? What kind Next. of yeah. what kind of vibe mm-hmm. do we need? Um, I actually used to make my, I had a tour playlist. It was like what most people would probably listen to when they go to the gym. It would get me like all pumped up and I'd be dancing in the car, driving to the venue. Like, but it got me into the right headspace I needed to be in that I was positive because your attitude makes so much of the difference. And I didn't want to like leave this episode without touching on. Have like a ritual. So I make a coffee, even if it's a morning or an afternoon appointment, I'll make a coffee beforehand and I make it bougie, put in a special sweetener, put in a special creamer, maybe a little whipped this and that. But that's like part of my ritual is I make a coffee and then sit down and get ready for the appointment. Yeah, but like make sure you're blocking that extra time mm-hmm. on the appointment Absolutely. on the calendar. So to do that, well, holy crap, we covered some crap. This was a long episode. This was a long episode, but hopefully you're prepared now for your appointments. Yes, well, we like to end every episode giving you some swag shit we all like to get. Three action items to add to your to-do list and put into your appointments. Yeah, number one. V, you're up first. What you got? Make it as easy as freaking possible for your clients to book appointments. Use an online booking system. There are the different ones out there, but make sure it has your current appointment availability. Let them book it. And with these systems, once that appointment time gets booked, it blacks it out for the next person. So they can't, you don't overbook yourself. Yes. But make it as easy as possible. Make it easy peasy lemon squeezy. What's our next one? Ring in a planner or a friender or someone that is not in our industry at all to review your current experience and really, like Vanessa said, cover your belly button and listen with open ears and tell them that you really want to see, understand. You may not have ever sat in another appointment, but a planner has been to multiple DJ appointments and multiple cake tastings and venue tours and whatever. And so really, you know, taking that, either bring them in separately or take the next appointment you have where they have a planner there, reach out in advance and say, hey, I would really love like honest feedback afterwards on ways that we can improve. Okay. And then our last one is have a client file or all of the information for that client's day, event day complete when they come in. So when they come in, you should have all of those little questions of venue, date, their names, both of their names. You should have all that information already readily available and ready for the appointment. So get all of that ahead of time. If you feel like this podcast helped your business, got you thinking, or we made you laugh. Follow, subscribe, or share this episode with a friend. Stay tuned for our upcoming episodes. We are still talking this entire month about appointments and tours in upcoming episodes. Yes, including the sales appointment agenda and after appointment follow through. Now go make your next appointment epic. Go make some epic shit happen.